All right, story time. Um, this is something from my memory as a kid. My family has always really enjoyed motorcycles, and one of my earliest memories, actually, I remember this just recently, and I was talking to my dad about this. Um, as, as my dad, he he uh, he always rode these trials motorcycles. If you're familiar with them, they're kind of uh, picture a dirt bike, but picture the seat missing. And so you don't actually even sit down on it. You, you stand up the whole time. So it's designed for really, really technical obstacles. For example, climbing up a large boulder or getting over a, a giant tree or up, you know, just, I mean, the, the competitions that they have for trials motorcycling are mostly based in Europe. And it's a very European-influenced motorcycle style. Very, very light bikes, usually no more than 300 cc's. Um, and... Anyway, so as a, as a very young kid, my, one of my earliest memories actually is my dad when he took me on a motorcycle ride, and I think he had me on the front of the motorcycle, like sitting down in kind of this little swoop that they, they put instead of a seat, and uh, I think we were in Moab. Anyways, um, one of my also earlier memories is one, one of my first rides I ever did. We went to City of Rocks here in Idaho, and I was a pretty new rider, and I really was not very good. Um, <laughs> it's, it's tricky because my older brother is someone who is uniquely talented with all things motorsport related. Um, driving cars, riding motorcycles, snowmobiles, I mean, you name it, and he's just, he's gifted at it. I was kind of the, that, that brother that, like the wait for me kind of brother, you know, who <laughs> was always, it was always back of the pack, always the slowest, always getting stuck the most or you know, whatever. Um, that that was really just me growing up. So, and it probably still is actually. Um. So I remember, I remember one time we were doing. So City of Rocks is just giant rocks everywhere. It's it's big on it's big for rock climbers, but it's also really cool because there's really unique obstacles, um, scattered all throughout the entire area. So what we do normally is I think we had a group of probably ten of us or so, and someone picks an obstacle and like a giant rock and like, Hey, let's see, you can climb up this. And we all kind of take turns and, and see who can make it up to the top. So on this particular rock, um, I think everyone tried and one person made it up, but fell as he, as he like made it up. And so normally what happens I mean, you go up it and you've got sometimes four people spotting you two to catch your bike and two to catch you. Cause you're going up something that's maybe 10 feet tall. And, um, there was this one obstacle I remember so particularly. It was kind of like it was just like kind of like running into a, a brick wall. This rock had kind of had a had a sheer front, and and so really it was like trying to get over a ten foot wall with a motorcycle, just a ten foot brick wall with a motorcycle. And what they would do is we'd place this this rock about the size of a a soccer ball, and you place it in front of the obstacle, and it's your kicker rock. So it kind of so when your when your front tire hits, it'll it'll compress the shocks when it hits there and kind of, you can kind of launch off of it more or less. And then your back tire will swing in and hit first. And so, um, so think about this, the motorcycle, your front tire does not hit this brick wall first. It's your back tire, right? Your back tire hit, hits first and it just vertically shoots you straight up in the air. And then you kind of lean forward and you come up over on top of the obstacle. So obviously for me, I'm just watching, right? The whole time, I, don't, I didn't do anything. Um, actually, I remember crashing, trying to do like, literally getting over a rock that was the size of I don't know maybe it's two feet tall and I crashed on it and I fell on the rock and I landed right on my hip and it was bruised my hip really bad and I was feeling pretty pretty picked on um my older brother Peyton 
on this particular obstacle, everyone's trying, no one's getting up it. From my memory, I don't think anyone actually made it up. Uh, we call it cleaning it if no one has to help you. So if you get really close and you're like, oh, you're about to fall back and they grab your bike and they pull you back up onto the rock, that doesn't count. Cleaning it is when you make it up all on your own. No one touches your bike or you and you just land right on top of it. And you don't place a foot down on the ground. Um, anyway, so everyone's trying, everyone's trying. And um, my older brother, he's, he's riding this little bike and he looks at my dad. He's like, hey, dad, do you think I could make it up to there? And he's like, ah, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, maybe. He's like, I want to try it anyways. And everyone kind of looks around like, oh, this kid's pretty young. I mean, he probably was 13 at the time is my guess. Uh, maybe 14. Really young. Way, way, way too small for that bike he was on. He just looked like it just looked ill-proportioned. Um, just this tiny little kid. I mean, he, he didn't weigh more than 100 pounds for sure. I bet he didn't weigh more than not 85 pounds, actually. He was tiny. And everyone's kind of looking around like, ah, that seems like a bad idea. That's a long fall. It's like 10 feet if you fall. I mean, and hopefully we can catch you, but... I think then so they, everyone kind of just got all around the thing where, okay, you guys work on the bike, make sure the bike doesn't get smashed to pieces. If it falls, we'll catch him. Two people up on top in case he got up, which was considered extremely unlikely. And I remember this so distinctly, and this is something, and this is this is where this whole analogy has kind of come around for me, is my dad is a big believer in visualization. Always has been. He's always taught us that way. Um, and I remember this conversation so well. And it's funny is, is I don't, I'll doubt that my brother and my dad even remember this at all. But it's, it always really stuck in my mind. My dad says, all right, turn off your bike. Talk to me for a second. He's like, here's what I want you to do. He said, don't think about the rock or don't look at the rock. Don't look at the ground. Don't look at anything but exactly where you want to be. He's like, now I want you to see yourself in your mind's eye. Can you see yourself on top of that rock? He's like, ah, uh, all right. Visualize it. See it crystal clear. I want, I want you to see yourself perfectly hitting that ramp back tire hits first you land right on top of it and clean it can you see it in your mind and i think it's because he was so young he wasn't clouded by a lot of his own bad experiences and i could tell he really started to see this image and he said okay when you go up that thing i don't want you to look to the right or the left or down i want you to look exactly where you want to go i want you to keep your eye fixated on exactly where you want to land do not look to the side do not look down Remember, he, he really drilled it home. Remember this so distinctly. He was like, don't look anywhere but exactly where you want to land. Like, That's interesting. So my brother goes, and like fires up his bike. He starts kind of revving it up. He's pulling in the clutch and kind of revving it up, getting ready. And you can see he's, he's got the adrenaline pumping. And I mean, this is the craziest thing he's ever done in his life. This is the biggest stunt or the biggest obstacle he's ever climbed in his life or ever even attempted in his life. And you can see he's just scared to death, but he's just, you know, he's going to do it. And he's got his, he's got his mind just fixated. He, I could see, I remember this, so he was looking right at the top of that rock, just like fixated on exactly where he wanted to land. And he comes around, pulls around the rock. It's kind of a running start, gets up to speed. And then he just, you just really, you pull in your clutch and you really just rev up your engine. And you let go of that clutch and it rockets you. Um, and the whole time he hits that, he hits the kicker rock first. And starts going straight up, and then his eyes just boom right there to the top, and he just he looked right where he wanted to go, and it's funny because I mean the bike's doing all kinds of stuff. It's 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 literally going vertical when normal it's horizontal, right? It's going vertical. It's actually going inverted a little bit, hitting the back tire first, rocketing straight up six feet. I mean vertical, just a jump straight six feet, and then boom right on top of this rock, and he just goes straight up and lands it, aces it, doesn't. I mean no one had to even help him. 
it was a complete just slam dunk and everyone just went wild and was like oh my goodness i can't believe it and everyone's going crazy because this is a kid who's a pretty new writer and inexperienced and looking back now it's actually not surprising that it happened looking back now it's not surprising because he saw it so clearly and in that has become this massive object lesson for me if you have something that you want in life don't calculate the ways it can go wrong just see what you want to keep your eyes fixated on that i think what's the scariest thing is that we've we've trained ourselves to not want to like be let down we've trained ourselves to not want to to kind of have a bail mentality okay if things don't work then I'll, I'll look, I'll, I can I can jump out to the right. And so rather than my brother programming his mind of, okay, okay, if I don't make it, where am I going to jump and land? I don't think he even thought about it. I don't think he even, I don't think he even considered if this doesn't work, where will I go? If I'm going to jump off the bike, I'm going to try to land right here, avoid that rock so I can roll it out or what? I mean, that never even crossed his mind was a bailout um, situation. He had one goal, one alternative, and that was to make it to the top. I think that is something that we don't use enough anymore. I think that we've been trained as adults to suppress that part of our brain that, that is able to dream. We've always told ourselves, oh, you don't want to have unrealistic goals. And I agree, you want to have, you want to have smart, attainable goals, but what about smart, attainable dreams? Who said that we had to put a damper on our dreams? Who said that we had to limit ourselves and look to the left and the right? Why can't we just fixate on exactly what we really want? Now, the steps that we take to get there, those are, those are separate. But as far as what we really, really want, I think a lot of us have not given ourselves permission as well to really look up and say, that is exactly where I want to land. And the problem with that is that we'll never actually make it. There's always a bailout scenario. Now, I'm talking about like all the way down the road, maybe five, 10 years from now. But you keep your eye fixed on that goal. And the funny thing is that the rest of life kind of seems to take care of itself. My brother wasn't focusing on the bike's exact movements, on how the tire was hitting, grabbing traction on that surface, and then the propulsion that launched him up. He, d he didn't think about any of those things. It was just, this is where I want to be. And he shot for it. Now, you crash and burn all the time. But the point is you keep your eye fixated on exactly what you want. And all those successes and all those failures work together to get you where you want to be. Um, I'll tell you another story. Going back to motorsports, this one's maybe a story of what you should not do. <laughs> um, as a as a as a young kid, we we have a family cabin up in Yellowstone. It's just beautiful. It's it's next to Hebgen Lake and twenty minutes outside of the Yellowstone National Park. A really really unique place, and this cabin is just this old nineteen seventies cabin, very large, designed to hold ten kids. So I mean, my grandpa built it to to really last and to be able to hold a large crowd. We, we got snowmobiles as a way to transport all of our gear and all of our stuff. Cause once it snows there, I mean, in the winter, you can't drive in. It's about, I think a mile and a half or two miles in from where the main road is to the cabin. So we've always had snowmobiles. And then I think that, I don't know at what point the family started getting into it as a sport, but probably pretty early on. And my grandpa had this old Indy 300, I think it's an Indy 350 actually, old Polaris snowmobile. I mean, really a tank of a snowmobile, especially compared to what we have today. But of course, back in the day, it was pretty nice. And and um, I'll bet it was, I don't know, 
about my about but but that snowmobile is about as old as I was. So I first started riding it when I was probably ten or eleven, and I could tell you so many stories of all the different times that I destroyed those snowmobiles. But I was the one that wrecked the most, I think, of on the snowmobiles. <laughs> and uh, again, I wasn't gifted that way. There was one time we were riding, and I was really new on this. And this is a big old snowmobile, and I'm this kid that weighs probably sixty five pounds. And there's a principle in, in, in riding snowmobiles that I think we call carving. I, I guess that's the way that I was, that's what I always called it growing up. Where, I mean, you have to look at snow as kind of like, it's halfway water, right? So you, you kind of get a bit of a boatiness, kind of a boaty, a boat type of feel when you're in the snow. So you can really kind of just lean side to side. And um, just like if you were in a boat, right, it's going to tip side to side. And so when you're when you're going forward, you can kind of, you can go to one side of the snowball. There's these two. There's there's two running running boards on each side, and if you put both your legs on one side and you kind of churn the opposite way, so in other words, if you want to carve to the left, you churn to the right, and the snowmobile it'll kind of just tip. So it won't churn. It'll actually like tilt, and then the whole sled will kind of carve around. So what it requires though is a lot of control. It's something that I think most beginner snowblowers are, are totally unaware even happens. But it's very similar. If you've ever ridden a motorcycle at high speeds, it's very similar. You don't, uh, I might just save someone's life by saying this, but if you're riding a bullet bike very, very quickly, you turn left to go right, which sounds, which seems so counterintuitive. And I'm talking like a hard left to turn right. But you'll actually find that as you turn slightly left and lean to the right, the bike will go right. Um, very similar concept with snowmobiles. So I have to explain this for the rest of the story to make sense. So essentially this concept is that you have to churn the opposite direction, lean really hard, especially if you're a little guy like me on a big old snowmobile, you have to really lean. Um, and you can kind of carve and it's kind of a slow, like an airplane, you know, or a giant boat. It kind of just slowly comes around. It's not immediate. It's not super responsive. So it's not like it immediately goes and cranks over unless you really are, unless you're probably bigger and stronger than I was. For me, it was kind of like lean, 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 and all of a sudden it go boom. And so it almost start turning. It start turning left at first because again, that's where my skis are pointed. And then once the the momentum shifted over and the snowmobile was on its side, it would come all the way around and do it can do a really sharp turn. So one time we are riding and my dad's kind of a little bit nervous because. We're all new riders, and he's trying to teach us how to how to ride snowmobiles, and and um, <laughs> oh, I put him through so much. Um, we're riding this big open field. It's just this beautiful day, gorgeous white field. It's brand new snows on there. It's all kind of powdery, and um, if you've ever ridden a snowmobile, this is just kind of a magical feeling. You just you're just carving through the snow, and you're just leaning, and it's just like I don't know. It's kind of a dream. It's kind of just a, a dreamy feeling. I don't know how to describe it. It's really fun. And we start we start going up this hill. And on this hill, there is one big old, big old pine tree. And I remember thinking, I don't have that pine tree. And so, I mean, I, and I kind of was, it was weird because I wasn't even like pointing right at it. But I remember thinking, I don't have that pine tree. I want to carve around it and go up the way that my dad and brothers just went. I was, again, I was the back of the pack. So, um... I start trying to kind of get around. I'm trying to turn my ski and I'm just fighting it. And I'm, I'm fixated on that tree. Don't hit the 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 tree. And I'm literally saying that in my mind over and over again. Right. And 
I'm totally fixated on it, and I'm just like looking straight at the tree, and I'm trying to churn, 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 churn. And I'm like, okay, maybe more gas. I start speeding up, thinking maybe if I get a little more speed to it, it'll it'll engage that carving motion, and I'll just I'll bank to the right really hard. And don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree. And all of a sudden, I'm getting closer and closer, and I'm hitting like right through the tree, and I'm like, don't hit the tree. And I'm I'm staring right at it. Notice this. I'm staring right at that tree, thinking, don't hit the tree. And all of a sudden. Bam! I slammed. I'm not talking. I'm not talking like kind of like glanced into the tree. I'm talking dead center, right in the middle of the snowmobile, and I wrap the front end of the snowmobile right around the tree. I go flying into. If I wasn't wearing a helmet, I don't even know what my face would look like. But I slam into it. I still scratched up my head. I don't even know how. Just the impact, I think. And um, flop back down on the snow, thinking, "How on earth did that happened? I was trying sort of not to the tree." And I'm kind of dazed. My dad comes back around, and this is not the first time this ever happened. But he just has this look on his face, like. How is that possible, you know? Another time I sent a, a snowball off more or less like into a ravine and he had the same look. But um, <laughs> it was, <laughs> he comes and pulls up and he sees, there's, I mean, you can imagine this as a father, right? You see a, an enormous open white field, one solitary pine tree, and then your son literally wrapped around that pine tree, the front end of the, of the, of the machine wrapped around the pine tree. And he just looks around. I can see him just looking around like there was no other trees anywhere. It was the only tree. And I find I, I managed to hit it. Like not even just kind of like kind of hit it. I, I slammed right into the center of it. So I think in his mind, thinking, did he just like run into it for fun? I mean, what's going on here? And this has been another great object lesson for me is one, don't ever let your kids ride snowmobiles. No. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, it was just, it was the funniest thing. I just look, I remember so distinctly look on his face, but the object lesson for me was obvious, right? If you don't want to hit the tree, then don't fixate on it. Don't sit there and stress about it. Don't sit there and and fixate all your attention onto what you don't want. We do this all the time, though. We say, don't get sick. We say, I'm so worried about money. We stress about what we can and can't afford. We really fixate on really a scenario we don't actually want. Rather, you, like my brother, focus your attention on what you really want. You put all of your energy into into pinpointing, this is what I want. This is how I want my life to go. Don't think of all the ways your life can go wrong. Don't think of all the ways that things won't work out. If you ever decide to, to be deliberate about your life, which has been my mission, and what I've hoped to share with everyone, is that you can embrace the pen, right? You can write the story of your life, and you can write it in a way that's compelling and interesting and fun and meaningful. But if you go down this path, I'm warning you, it's going to get rough. And these two object lessons for me are very, very important. Number one, keep your eye on what you want. Don't let other things distract you. Don't look to the right or to the left. Don't look for a bailout solution. Don't look for a way to settle. If you know what you want and you feel like you found your calling in life, or if you wrote your story and you said, this is the way I want my life to go. This is the story that I want to write. Only fixate on exactly where you want to land only fixate on exactly the point that you want to be at do not focus on the one pine tree in the field because honestly that's reality life is beautiful and full of adventure and full of great possibilities but if you spend every day thinking about everything that can go wrong or that one crazy scenario that just might happen to you it's probably going to happen to you people don't understand this but it's really kind of a reality if you fixate on oh, I mean, I want to go travel, but you might get your stuff stolen and that's all you think about and you stress about it and you just are paranoid about getting stuff stolen from you. Chances are that's what's going to happen. 
I'm a big believer that we attract exactly what we focus on. And if you really focus on this is where I want my life to go, this is where I want to land, then that's what's going to happen. It will happen. It might take some time. It might take some patience. It might take some twists and turns you didn't expect to happen along the way. But you can really have pretty much exactly what you want as long as your mind is in the right place. As long as your eyes are single. I mean, in the scriptures, it talks about have your eyes single to the glory of God. I look at that exactly the same. When it says have your eyes single, that means there is one thing you're focusing on. You are fixated on it with, with an almost inhuman intensity. If you have that intensity and you keep your eye fixated exactly where you want, you don't let other thoughts come in, you don't let other things distract you. You don't let the voices of other people affect you. I, I talk about in my, my other podcast how you can't inhale things. And that's a quote from a, a, a religious leader that, I've, that I found really meaningful is people will say stuff. People are going to say, that's ridiculous. People are going to say, you're an idiot. People are going to say this or that. Listen to the advice on a logical level, but do not listen to it on an emotional level. Good or bad, if they say, oh, you're the best thing ever. You're amazing. You're, you're practically perfect. Don't, don't listen to it on an emotional level. Say, okay, I'm on the right track as far as maybe some of these goals that are related towards people. But don't breathe it in. Don't let it register on an emotional level. Keep your eye single to exactly what you want. And I can promise you, you're going to see magic happen in your life. I think a lot of us are too afraid to dream, really. And that's something that I, I, I think if I, I'm going to have to do a whole different podcast on this. But don't be afraid of, of doing things that are unorthodox. I'm not, I'm not a great, I'm not the perfect example because I borrowed from the examples of others. And that's why I've done some of these things that I've done. Um, one of my big ones was moving to Guatemala. It was one of those things where I'm like, I'm tired. I am tired of worrying about if it's normal to do that. I'm tired of worrying about what might go wrong or I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I just signed up. I went and I bought a ticket and I flew to Guatemala and had an amazing adventure for three months. I learned Spanish or at least, you know, I got a good base in Spanish and, it really was a beautiful thing that never would have happened if I had been so paranoid about what could go wrong. And I'll tell you what, it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience for me. So we're going to dive into that another time about how you can dream. Um, also, I have another podcast coming up. I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I've got an interview coming up here. I think it's next Thursday, next Wednesday. Next, I believe it's next Thursday. Um, interviewing a friend of mine, his name's Andy, and I'm really excited about this one. Um, he's done some really cool things with his life. I think for those of you, especially those of you that are probably ages 18, no, I'd say even 16 to 25, they're going like, oh, I really want to, I want my life to be different, but I don't know, can it really be done? This guy is going to give you some great insight on someone who has really taken charge of his life. He has worked his butt off to get where he is, but he's just doing amazing things, super fulfilling things in my mind. I think it's just awesome. So um, look forward to that. And my friends, we will see you on the next podcast. Until then, adieu.